this is for many people the third uh, presidential impeachment hearing in their lifetime. Is it just coincidence? We've had three presidents who've uh, pushed the envelope enough to get in this position. Is there something about our politics now that makes this more likely to happen moving forward more often than it has throughout Well, I history? think what you all do in the media is, is, is part of it. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content following this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. In the coming days, we're likely to see a historic vote in Congress on the impeachment of President Donald Trump. Though it still appears he's facing likely acquittal in the Republican-held Senate. This week, I spoke with both of Indiana's Senators, Mike Braun and Todd Young. I asked Senator Young if he'd decided how he would vote when the case comes to the U.S. Senate. I don't think the process uh, has been entirely fair. Uh, in the impeachment process really began the day that President Trump was sworn into office. It was a party-line vote to initiate an impeachment inquiry. That's not good for the country. Now, with all that said, I'm doing my due diligence. I am following the facts. I, 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 I'm going to be an objective juror in a Senate impeachment trial. And I think that's really important uh, so that I fulfill my duties as a United States Senator. Some of this uh, stuff that's being discussed, I think was inappropriate uh, on the part of the president, not impeachable. Do you agree, do you think the call was inappropriate in some regard? Um, look, it's not what I would have done. I would not have, uh, I would not have, have made uh, the, the utterances that were uh, reflected in that transcript. Uh, but the real question here is not whether I would have made it. I'm not the President of the United States. I wouldn't have engaged in, say, President Obama's fast and furious exercises. Uh, the real question is, uh, does this constitute a high crime and misdemeanor as a potential and likely juror in this matter? I can't speak to that right now. In your mind, what does a fair trial in the Senate look like? How do you want to see the proceedings conducted? Well, in my mind, now that we're, uh, looks like it's going to come to the Senate, uh, I'm sure that they'll probably get enough votes uh, on either one of the two articles of impeachment. I think where it has shown unfairness and lack of due process, especially during the behind-the-scenes uh, uh, proceedings within the House, that uh, there'll be an effort here to make it uh, a little different. I think this will be the first time uh, that the president's going to be able to make his case. There's talk that some in the GOP want this trial to move very quickly with only a response from the White House, essentially, and no further testimony from some of the witnesses who testified in the House proceedings. You talked about wanting to do your due diligence, hearing the evidence. Would that truly be a fair proceeding in your view? Would you be comfortable with the process playing out that way? Well, I want to make sure all the facts are in evidence. There doesn't seem to be significant disagreement as what the underlying facts are. So the impeachment managers, that is the Democrats who will be presenting the case on behalf of the prosecution in the impeachment trial should, as we expect, this come to the Senate. Uh, they should be afforded the opportunity to present their evidence. The president should be afforded the opportunity through his counsel to offer a robust defense. I think we've all heard the major points laid out there. 
And uh, I think you could get into the details of the fact there was no quid pro quo. Uh, there was no direct testimony other than really what was heard elsewhere. Now, all of that says that, yes, probably shouldn't be in the predicament to where we need to even discuss this. Uh, also, the fact that it's preempted so much other stuff from getting done. But uh, all of us will listen carefully to see if there's anything new that comes up you know, once it gets here to the Senate. Senators Mike Braun and Todd Young sharing their thoughts with us this week. More on our website. Meantime, here's the latest polling in recent days from Morning Consult and Politico. The numbers are steady, but a little higher than some of the other recent polls. In this poll, 50 percent of voters saying they support impeachment and removal. Forty one percent do not. I spoke this week with Trevor Shirley from our Washington bureau. All right, joined now by our Washington correspondent, Trevor Shirley. Trevor, it seems as if this is lining up to be a party line vote in the House for the most part, and certainly amongst Indiana's congressional delegation. And that's exactly right, and really no surprise there. At this point, nobody's exactly showing their cards on how they're going to vote, but there is a really good likelihood that this will come down to a party line vote, especially with the lawmakers from Indiana. Speaking of which, we caught up with some of those lawmakers earlier this week. Let's take a listen. I don't think, you know, that the inquiry has been done properly. I mean, some people are saying it's, you know, t multiple times faster than the Clinton impeachment. And it's been done really quickly in a partisan way. Impeachment continues to overshadow what I think is the real news of today, USMCA finally getting agreed to. This is hugely important to Hoosiers all the way across the district, whether they're in farming or manufacturing. All right, Trevor, as uh, we heard there, a lot of talk also about the USMCA and the timing here with that deal being announced the very same day as the articles of impeachment. Yeah, and that was something that Democrats were really pushing for, not only to get the deal done, but to get it done in a way that they could go back to their constituents at home and say, look, we're not just completely absorbed with the impeachment process. This is proof that we're getting something done. So that was certainly a strategic move on the part of Democrats uh, this week to get that passed uh, so that they do have something to show uh, that can show their constituents that they are working on things beyond just the impeachment proceedings. What is this next week going to be like? Obviously, uh, final vote on U.S. MCA potentially, also the funding deadline here, and obviously this historic vote uh, on impeachment in the House of Representatives. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a busy week before Congress heads out for the holidays, and those are three major things that we're going to be looking at. Obviously, the funding deadline, the continuing resolution, uh, is extremely important for both parties to get something passed because government funding runs out on Friday. If that doesn't happen, the government shuts down, something we went through uh, just last year almost at the same time. So certainly something that both sides are trying to avoid. You mentioned USMCA. There's also a big push to get that nailed down and finalized. And then obviously there's the impeachment. That's going to be sucking up most of the oxygen in the room as we do expect to see a full vote on the House uh, this week on that issue, sending it over to the Senate and setting us up for a trial that would probably happen sometime in January. So certainly a lot going on here in Washington this coming week. Yeah, it's going to be an incredibly busy week and month ahead and year ahead there in the nation's capital. Trevor Shirley in our Washington Bureau. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, meantime, Vice President Pence was here in Indianapolis Friday, coming home to take part in a campaign event for Governor Eric Holcomb, who, of course, is up for re-election next year. This week, the governor laid out his agenda for 2020 and spoke one-on-one -on -one with our Kayla Sullivan. 
Governor Eric Holcomb is making it clear he wants teacher pay to be part of the discussion when lawmakers make the next Indiana budget in 2021. And he says he wants data to drive that discussion. And the Teacher Compensation Commission uh, is doing yeoman's work to compile all that data uh, so that we'll be able to share. State Democrats criticized that decision. Party Chair John Zodi sent a statement saying in part, teachers can't pay their bills or put food on the table with Holcomb's flippant future promises. The pay discussion is one of the major things teachers pushed for during Red for Ed Day last month. Holcomb is also addressing two of their other demands. He says he wants to hold harmless iLearn scores and eliminate the 15-hour externship next year. I want the schools to still have it. It's just I don't believe that the teacher needs to be that first point of contact. I think the school corporation needs to be. The education debate is part of the governor's next level agenda for next year. Also on the list, Holcomb wants to make it illegal to hold a handheld device while driving. He says the state's texting and driving law is difficult to enforce. Holcomb said he also wants more police to monitor work zones and potentially add speed cameras there. On the health care front, Holcomb supports Republican legislative leaders and their push for a hospital transparency database and protections from surprise billing. He also agrees the state needs to raise the age to buy tobacco products from 18 to 21 with increased penalties for those vendors who don't comply. Later in the week, I sat down with Governor Eric Holcomb to talk about 2019 and heading into an election year in 2020. You've said it's not going to be possible to do much in the upcoming session in regards to teacher pay. But with an election coming up, this seems to be the main theme. Do you fear that that's going to be used against I don't you? fear, no. Uh, we're going to do the right thing. We need to fix this systemically um, in a sustainable way. You do that with your budget. And um, we created a teacher compensation commission that said, we're going to look at this after 200 plus years, and we're going to get it right, finally, going forward. Not just even every two years trying to throw a little bit of money or every year. And so I was heartened, gladdened, pleased by the superintendents associations from the rural, urban and suburban where they came in, they told me, they told the speaker, they told the um, president pro tem, went on the house floor and they said, we hear you with this funding, uh, which was exceeded our expectation. We're going to get it to teachers. And Kayla will have more of that interview next week. Up next, Mayor Pete Buttigieg making news and facing more scrutiny on the campaign trail ahead of next week's debate. And another Democrat entering the race to go up against Attorney General Curtis Hill next. Let's bring in our panel now. Former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats, Robin Winston. Former state representative, Mike Murphy. And we have political science professor, Dr. Laura Wilson, and contributing editor for Politico and Indianapolis Monthly, Adam Wren. Impeachment. This coming week, obviously looking at a vote in the full House of Representatives. Uh, what does this say about uh, where we are right now as a country politically? So very divided. It's a historic moment, historic also that it's coming right before an election year. That's right. You know, Republicans keep saying that this process hasn't turned up anything new or that it's been unfair, but at the same time, they haven't, you know, made any efforts to make it more fair or more inclusive to the president uh, by not having key administration officials testify or, uh, you know, cooperate with the committee at all. So, um, you know, I think we live in a divided country, and I don't think we should expect anything different uh, going forward with this impeachment procedure. The polls have said different things about where 
Americans are on impeachment, but they've held relatively steady. Uh, as you look at this, is it kind of anticlimactic in the sense that most people know how this is going to play out in the Senate, right? I don't think it's anticlimactic in that way because we all know how The Lion King ends. You know, spoiler alert, Simba becomes king. But we still watch re revisions of that, right? In this case, we yes, we do have a sense that the Senate will not ultimately remove the president. But the impeachment coming from the House and then the individual key players, the details, you know, who sides with what, is it going to be a bipartisan lines? Are there going to be people that cross over? And then as you said, the polling that's shown, generally speaking, voters have been pretty steady on this. How does it impact 2020 and those elections? I think those are all the details that are really important. We still don't know how those are going to play out. How does it impact the election, Mike? What do you see happening? Well, I think things get worse and worse and worse. I think this is the beginning of a terrible crescendo. At the Trump rally this past week, you had two or three people interviewed on network TV talking about having their 357 Magnums ready if somebody tries to take the president oh. out of office. Um, I think that is very troublesome. Mine, we yeah. could have violence. People talked about a second civil war. Mm -hmm. But what amazes me so far about this process is you have jurors, senators, who are going to be jurors commenting already on the fairness or the lack of fairness of the House proceedings. If in a, in a regular criminal court, and I'm not a lawyer, but in a regular criminal court, if you had jurors walking out and talking to the media, um, they'd all be disqualified. Mitch McConnell this week yeah. saying he would be willing to essentially yeah. run this uh, as the president wishes. You also heard, though, Robin, this week, Demo some Democrats say they might be willing to impeach the president again down the road in the future. Right. Well, it's, it's, it's heated up. I mean, you know, this is all about election uh, interference right here in the, in, the, in the House and in the Senate. I think what you're going to find is the voters are going to make up their minds. Time and time again, we've seen that happen. It's happening now in state after state, and it's trending against the president. So when those Republicans begin to see seats being lost, I think they'll start to change their minds. Is there some uh, still electoral risk here for the Democrats, do you think? Oh, of absolutely. Yeah. You've, got, you've got them pushing hard on this impeachment. And again, I don't know all the facts, but you could argue either way, frankly in the midst of the hottest economy in modern American history. I mean, every demographic group is having their best employment numbers ever. So how do you, and it's all politics, right? So how do you impeach somebody who's produced an economy that's so perfect well, right now? And a lot of talk this week, too, about trade deals so with China, potentially the USMCA right. deal, and also a spending deal being reached here all before the Christmas recess, a very busy week. All right, let's talk 2020 now with the latest news from your local election headquarters. Mayor Pete Buttigieg revealing who he worked with as a consultant for McKinsey. The list of clients, including Best Buy, the EPA, DOD, and Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, where Buttigieg said he wasn't in charge of any decisions that involved insurance. Nonetheless, you have to imagine that potentially being a, a topic of conversation for some of his opponents at Thursday night's Democratic debate, if that does go on as schedule. I know there was some talk about the union picket lines there. Is he vulnerable on this issue, or has he pushed back on it successfully in recent days? You know, uh, you've really seen a transparency battle between Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg, and both of them have made significant disclosures over the last week. Uh, Rashida Tlaib, who's endorsed Bernie Sanders, the Michigan representative, uh, has said that because of his work with Blue Cross Blue Shield Michigan, he'll never uh, win Michigan. Um, that said, he was there for three months at about 25 years old operating spreadsheets, so it's hard to see how this will, ha will be part of the conversation for a long time going forward in the could it be a liability for the mayor? You get to the top of the polls, sometimes you face this kind of scrutiny, right? You do face this yeah. kind of scrutiny. I don't think this singularly is a liability. I think he has much bigger issues and, and bigger challenges. People will forget about this within a week's time, but that is the challenge when you're at the top.
What do you think we'll see at this next debate here? I don't, well, first of all, I don't think they're going to forget about Michigan. The people of Michigan will, for, may, may, will not forget. Maybe Indiana will. Yeah, I don't know. The layoffs but, happened two years after he quit his work. No, I understand that. But the, what happens here, and the same thing happened with Trump in 15 and 16, is the media builds them up, right? I mean, I think Trump is a phenomenon of the media to a large degree, particularly another network which we won't mention. But um, then they tear them down. And these same issues, these Michigan issues, were there at the beginning of the campaign, but they're now just getting to them after they built him up into this wonder kid. He's not a wonder kid. He's a human who's trying to run a city. He's a normal person who happens to be a veteran and a Rhodes Scholar. But he's got just as many flaws as Warren or Sanders or any of the other Democrats. Robin? I think Pete was transparent. I mean, instead of playing the game, the cloak and dagger game that the president does, he came forward told everything. Remember, this president has not released his taxes, a very fundamental thing. Now you're having Pete release who his clients were, signing a non-disclosure agreement and then saying, I want to go ahead and give the information out. Donald Trump hasn't released his taxes yet. All right, big congressional race here in Indiana next year, and some of the Republican candidates in the 5th District debated last weekend a crowded field of candidates looking to replace Congresswoman Susan Brooks. The event put on by the Indiana Conservative Alliance, a Tea Party group. State Treasurer Kelly Mitchell did not attend. They also held a, a straw poll there, and the winner of that straw poll, this man right here, Micah Beckwith, who's Getting some attention, also some scrutiny this week uh, on Twitter, Adam, as, as you reported on. That's right. You know, he's an interesting position because he's a worship pastor for children at Northview Church. Um, he's got about, you know, five or 10,000 built-in votes in that Large church. Large church there in uh, They had yeah. said they are not endorsing. Uh, but, you know, he's also uh, been receiving legal contributions from corporations in Hamilton County. Uh, out of the $80,000 he's raised, uh, you know, looking at his fundraising report, about 9,000 of that have come from corporations, which is an FEC violation. Uh, but he is clearly kind of become probably the conservative favorite, I think, at this point in that race. It'd be interesting to see how this plays out because it's in a suburban district that, that Democrats would like to think is getting a little bit more purple. Well, here. yeah, we saw that with Hamilton County in the elections last month. I think the challenge here is... it. Has it been conservative? You'll see Republicans go to that right for the primary. You have to to garner those the primary voters, but then they need to pivot back to the middle. And meanwhile, the Democrats there aren't as many people running on that side. If they can stay more moderate, that's going to be more appealing for the general election in November. It's all about that pivot yeah. in ideology. Also talking about the race for attorney general here, former Evansville Mayor Jonathan Weinzapfel throwing his hat into the race for AG. He's the second Democrat to join the race, along with State Senator Karen Talian. It's important. Um, we need to restore honor and integrity to the attorney general's office. We need an attorney general that's going to fight for working families. Meantime, current attorney general Curtis Hill facing more scrutiny this week in a report from the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette dealing with some spending questions. And, of course, still a lot of questions about how this race for attorney general will play out next year. Governor Holcomb and others have called for Hill to step down, but he may indeed be on the ballot with the governor again next fall. It would be an interesting convention when they stand up there on the podium yeah. beside each other. I mean, this guy is still under review. He may lose his license to be able to practice law. You lose your license, you're no longer attorney general. Uh, what about that dynamic for Governor Holcomb and other Republicans? Well, first of all, the, you're right, but the decision on whether he loses his license is really up to one person, and that may, decision may not come till after the state convention. You don't, she has all point. the leeway. Right. Yeah. Right. She'd wait till the 1st of September if she wanted right. to, so we don't know that. Um, yeah, it would be a very tough dynamic. On the Democratic side, I've worked with both Talian and Weinsapple, both outstanding people, bright you know, legitimate, a lot of integrity. But don't forget that there's still a great opportunity to have a equally bright 
person with integrity, not Curtis Hill, but a new Republican to come into the race uh, before filing There's time. another one uh, in already, John Westerkamp. We'll see if others still enter the race. Really fascinating, though, to watch and see how this uh, all comes together here. That's right. I mean, uh, looking at Nikki Kelly from the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette's report on um, Curtis Hill, you know, it's remarkable the amount of money that he's spending on renovations to his office. And it's really not a Hoosier thing to get elected to office and immediately ask for a pay raise. So it'll be interesting to see how, how fiscally conservative voters uh, think about his uh, re-election prospects. And we'll talk about uh, all of it uh, additionally on our podcast here. Meantime, in the midst of a controversy over food stamps, a cabinet official comes here to Indiana. We'll hear from him next. The waivers that have been abused over the recent years allow those people to continue longer than the 120 days, which is what the law, law said. U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue in Indianapolis this past week. His visit comes as the Trump administration is cutting off SNAP benefits for about 700,000 Americans. People without disabilities or children will be restricted to three months of food stamps in a three-year period unless they work or train for 20 hours a week. Now, that new policy would not affect Indiana since our state already has similar restrictions. Now, in a statement this week, Congressman Andre Carson said jeopardizing millions of Americans' ability to put food on the table is the opposite of Hoosier values, but he says that's what the USDA is trying to do with Secretary Purdue at the helm through this heartless snap rule, as Carson says, as uh, the secretary tours Indianapolis and experiences Hoosier hospitality, he hopes it encourages him to reverse this action. All right, stick around. We're back with this week's winners and losers after this. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Robin. Jerry Nadler chair of the Judiciary Committee, did a great job. Two articles of impeachment against Donald Trump. None of the Trump, the losers are none of the Trump people that would cooperate with us. Mike? Winner has to be Eric Holcomb, a very responsible, conservative agenda for next year. Mike Pence came to town on Friday and raised a ton of money for him. The loser has to be Trump, not because of impeachment, because he had the, I don't know what, the temerity to take on a 16-year-old girl and made a fool of himself. My winner is the bipartisan effort in terms of paid paternity leave. I think that's huge at the federal level. Losers, anyone who disparages children for political gain, whether it's Greta Thunberg or Barron Trump. You get the last word. Two losers, uh, Hoosiers, Alex Lazar and Seema Verma, the mm -hmm. Medicaid director, both of them in a knockdown drag-out fight yeah. with leaks, and Seema Verma asking tax uh, taxpayers to uh, reimburse her $43,000 in lost jewelry. All right, we will leave it there. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. Thanks for joining us. Yes. Let's talk some more on our podcast here with Robin Winston, Mike Murphy, Laura Wilson, Adam Wren. Uh, looking ahead to 2020, you just have so many things happening at the, at the state and the federal level uh, that, that point to this being a really wild election year nationally, but also potentially here in the Hoosier State. Yeah, I mean, I would bet my uh, daughter's, you know, uh, $100 uh, 529 plan right now uh, on the fact that the Democratic primary is still going to be competitive in May when, when it comes yeah, to wow. Indiana. Uh, is that legal? To, uh, in Indiana now, I know sports gambling <laughs> to actually put the. It may the not be legal, but it's not a lot. Anytime any you get a good contribution, you're putting down a bet. Right? Yeah, so, there you yeah. go. Right. So I mean, I, I think it'll. Uh, you know, I think when you have people like Tom Steyer, who made the debate stage for next week, Andrew and uh, stage, Michael yeah. Bloomberg and Andrew yeah. Yang, they're just going to pr prolong the process. The Buttigieg campaign is already uh, preparing for a contested convention, uh, and then you have uh, Donald Trump saying this week that he may not participate in general election debates. First um, one spoke. 
supposed to be in South Bend. That's right. It may not happen. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be a wild year. The biggest story <laughs> in the world, I think, is what happens in the U.S. elections. Yeah. What, what do you make of that, uh, the president saying, I, I may not take part in the debates? You did hear that from time to time in the 2016 I was campaign. Say in fact, I think there was one he I did went not to the, I, was, I was in the right? audience for the one debate that, that he, he didn't, didn't show to. Yeah. I just loved it. It was such a calm, policy-oriented <laughs> debate. <laughs> Anything can happen. I don't remember that one at all. What? No, yeah, it happened. Yeah. I, you know, I know he says that, and perhaps he'll stay true to that. It's hard to believe that would be the case. I, even in the debates he did traditionally poorly in, I thought he did well in for his base. The the way that the president well, the second debate members. right after Access Hollywood actually might have yeah. saved his campaign. Yeah. 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 I mean, he takes opportunities and spins them, and not for your entire American electorate. Like, I think it's going to be a challenge. I think it's going to be a really exciting election, but for his base for the people that support him, I I don't know I don't I think he will be participating in debates. Quite frankly, I would bet the little money I have. I think he'll do, well. do, uh, do one debate. I think he'll one do one debate. I think he'll do one debate. Well, yeah. hopefully it's the South Bend right. one. Fingers we can all guys, focus, between right. John Kennedy and what maybe Ronald Reagan. Uh, I, we didn't have debates, and we still the democracy yeah, the still. Yeah, Nixon was the first, and then it didn't happen. For yeah, and it didn't happen years, for probably right. thirty years or something. We and democracy still works. So debates are kind of the creation of the networks who yeah. air them. They, they're right. not and necessary the for they're not an election. Necessary. Right? <laughs> they're great debates. to hear from the candidates, though. I mean, yeah. it's free airtime yeah. for them. They're yeah. not advertisements. It's great for us well, because it's not like that production of what the candidate but, wants. But it depends to tell you how they're used. If they're used for true policy. But sure. like we had in the first Democratic debate when everybody was trying to prove that they knew how to speak well, Spanish sure, and they were all terrible Aren't the one-on-one general election debates generally more substantive, yes, more important, yeah. 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 more policy? But he's doing it exactly what he, he's, he's doing there. it again. He's dominating the media. Yeah. I might not come. Then all the story, will only show up or not? You know, what are you, he was right. supposed to go raise money for veterans? And, he, and we did, oh, that's and then right. he just he never, gave it, to he never gave it to him. So, yeah. you know, I mean, he'll, he'll just do that. So you talk about recent history with debates. Also a lot of talk this week about recent history. And now this is, for many people, the third uh, presidential impeachment hearing in their lifetime. Uh, yeah. This only happened once prior to Richard Nixon. <laughs> um, and yeah. now, we're, now we're looking at the last... And I was there for the years. Andrew Johnson one, so... You, uh, you, you were a young man. <laughs> but, yeah, right. Uh, but what does that say about American politics? Is it just coincidence? We've had three presidents who've uh, pushed the envelope enough to get in this position. Is there something about our politics now that makes this more likely to happen moving forward more often than it has throughout Well, I history? think what you all do in the media is, is, is part of it. I mean, you're putting the light and illuminating things that people traditionally didn't see. I was very, very young watching the Watergate um, hearings with my mom, because she forced me to watch them. On your mom's lap, right? No, I'm not going to go that far. Maybe down at my matchbox on the floor. But the bottom line is we were watching them, because there were only four stations then. Right. It wasn't 24-hour cycle. Maybe three. It wasn't the breaking <laughs> news network. It wasn't the, you know, those, yeah. those things going on. But also remember there were articles, not articles of impeachment approved, but there were resolutions uh, against Bush and other, and other presidents right. that, that didn't, didn't make their way all the way to right. a committee. Yeah. So this yeah. is not a new phenomenon. Yeah, this Rep, happened a lot. Rep Jim Banks this week um, after the... Who's the, been very vocal. That's right. Yeah, he's not on either yeah. of the committees that, that exist to, to uh, prosecute this. But um, he released a statement on Friday essentially saying, you know, this is a really sad moment uh, for our country because of what Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff have done. Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff didn't um, ask the Ukrainian president to, to intervene 
intervene in, in a domestic election. And I doubt that uh, Banks would invite foreign interference in his own reelection next year. So, I, you know, it's really disappointing as a reporter who has no dog in this fight to see Republicans not engage the substance of the underlying issue. I'm not talking about the process, but the actual substance of the issue. They really haven't litigated that. We saw Braun say that it was an inappropriate call. Um, if it's an inappropriate call, would they support censure? Or do they, they think that the president sh should have no moral penalty for doing what he did? What do you make of those interviews, Mike? Senator Young also saying he wouldn't have made a call like that well, if he I, were I mean, again, to get back to my comments I made on the, on the television portion of this show, these guys are two jurors. Now, I think Todd Young has admir admirably been very constrained in his Absolutely. comments. Yeah. But if I were a U.S. Senator, which I'm not, never will be, I would not be saying a word. I would be saying no comment. I am a juror in this case, assuming they pass impeachment articles. Young didn't make any comments on this for, for a while. Yeah. Yes, yeah. but now he's been maybe pressured yeah. or whatever. You know, things don't seem fair. Things don't seem this way. And the same thing with Mike Braun, who's been more vocal than Todd Young has been. They should both, with all due respect to my two good friends, keep their mouths shut until they see the evidence and don't presuppose they'd anything. They'd be eliminated from a jury pool. On any jury yeah. pool, they'd be eliminated. You know, Robin, you mentioned the media earlier <clears throat> as we talk about the, this historically, and I, it raises an interesting point. I heard someone mention this week. You know, you had the Nixon impeachment, which was kind of at, at the, the advent of really network television being on, uh, covering it nonstop. The Clinton impeachment uh, during the cable news era, when cable news was really uh, coming to its strength and now social media during during the Trump era. Yes, we've seen it evolve. And as Robin said, I think it's to the credit of the media, um, at least to bring forth these kind of questions and to the American public. I'd like to say it's coincidental that our presidents and people in politics aren't just generally bad or behaving illegally or against the Constitution, but we happen to catch these things. Whether or not they, they are, that's why you have the process. But as we've seen the media play a role in this and just bringing it up to, to individuals, we have more accountability and I think that's a really good thing. But I yeah. think to get to what Robin said earlier, I think this does say something about society. The cynicism and the lack of trust. One of the big polling, I was Pew or somebody just did a, a study in the last several weeks that shows that the percentage of people who, who trust our government is dropped significantly. The percentage of people who trust our media have dropped in a right. similar percentage, right? And then the, the, the percentage of people who trust corporate America, their employers, so to speak, has also dropped by a lesser degree, but significantly. That's who not, do we trust these That's days, not right? just because yeah. of cable news. Right. It may impact it, but it's not just because. I mean, Americans are very citizen. troubled yeah. and they're pessimistic about their yeah. future, and that's not good. The party of Ronald Reagan, though, this is Ronald Reagan's party. I watched those hearings last night. I kept thinking, I think the big issue is the Russians went in and took Crimea. They attacked Ukraine. A president, a Republican president, held up aid to an ally of ours that was under attack by the Russians. What would Ronald Reagan think then? What would that party think? They used to always invoke Ronald Reagan. I've heard those people on committees, or Ronald Reagan, they don't even mention his name anymore because they've moved so far to the right and become so much into the Trump party, it's ridiculous. They haven't even moved necessarily f further to the right. Um, the right has become redefined by President Trump. Uh, they are no longer the party of Reagan on trade deals, uh, no longer the party of Reagan on foreign policy. They are budget, the, the, the budget, the deficit. Uh, they, are, they are a Trumpist party. And in some cases, um, you know, you have supporters who look to the president and a, and a borderline, and, and this also happened with President Obama. Uh, this isn't a partisan 
and comment, but you have people looking to the president as an, an almost a cultish figure, I think. And the, the problem is that we have the most bizarre president in American history, bar none. There have been some eccentric ones. You know, go to, go to John Quincy Adams and some others that were pretty eccentric dudes. But he's the most bizarre in American history. The good thing is America is so strong. We survived Obama. We're going to survive Trump. And if Biden comes through on what sounds like maybe a, a developing pledge to serve one term there and be, was a, some, and some be a peacemaker, on that, week. that yeah. could be the best thing that could ever happen for America. Maybe not, maybe not Biden, but somebody who can be a short-term president like Gerald Ford was and bring the country back together. And I tell you, Calvin Coolidge has never sounded so great, right? You heard, heard it here first. You heard it first. Mike Murphy. Mike Murphy is launching Republicans for Biden. No, no, no. I'm just saying that it's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating gambit. And if it's sincere, that may alter the dynamic of the race. It almost seems too, but you know, from from the Biden campaign, if that's indeed uh, information coming from them. Uh, yeah, another mea culpa of sorts, right? Please, yeah. please support us. I'll only serve one term. Well, that's true. Right? Maybe we'll get a great running mate. Moved yeah, ahead of the pack, didn't it? Yeah. All of a sudden, he's, everybody's he's trying to catch him. at the top him. of the polls. You know, yeah. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I think America really needs a... four years after Trump to just breathe. A vacation of sorts. A vacation. The, uh, to not think a about, vacation. To not yeah. think about their government. Um, you know, to not think about yeah. their government. Who's going to risk that, though? Other than Biden, because he's old and apparently, yeah, has mea culpa. But somebody, I mean, if you say, like, oh, I'm only going to do four years, even though legally I can't do eight. Uh, I, that Bloom, just seems like an incredible risk. I think Bloomberg or Steyer, maybe even Andrew Yang could make a promise. And how can we think Trump should do 12? It? Right? Yeah. In jest or whatever, I don't know. I, don't, I saw don't that know. comment as well. I but how does it all play how out? Does in jest, I think. But how does it all play out in Indiana in 2020? I mean, you talked about the fifth congressional district, and you have some candidates uh, further to the right than others in a, in a district that that could be closely watched and potentially is in play. I see Indiana as getting deeper red even in 2020. Uh, not only um, in like the first in district, all pockets person, of the state. I, I think in the fifth district, if if Republicans choose. Uh, a candidate like Micah Beck Beckwith, um, you know, you could see Democrats take back that district um, because of the way that it's it's leaning. But I, certainly, Governor Eric Holcomb is on a cruise control uh, path to uh, re win re-election. Uh, you'd be surprised to learn that there are several Democrats running for governor. I think in Indiana, right I haven't now. heard a lot about no. them. You did have State Senator Eddie Melton Friday issue a, uh, a statement saying he wants to see uh, the budget reopened this year for teacher pay. It seems like that's going to be a big issue. It's going to be a huge year. issue. I was down in Kentucky for Bashir's inauguration. He announced $2,000 across-the-board pay increase for Kentucky teachers. They were the MCs of the event. What I'm beginning to look at in different states, Dan, is look at, look at Kentucky. A million votes in 15, but 1.4 million in 19. We're going to have participation at a highest level ever. So I don't think anybody can be assured that they're going to win at this point. Um, 15,000 teachers, many of whom female and Republican from suburban areas, coming into the Capitol, they cannot be discounted electorally. Um, so I, I'm not, the budget's not going to be opened up. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to have a tobacco uh, increase, tax increase. The tax increases are not going to happen. When it comes to, the, you forgot to mention the condition on that $2,000 raise for teachers, they have to spend it on bourbon. That's how it goes. Well, that's it's really investing in the economy. Yeah, no. but, <laughs> but I think the two key, I don't think Micah Beckworth makes it. I think the two, or Beckwith, 
the two key candidates in that fifth district, both conservative, both women, Kelly Mitchell and Beth Henderson. Kelly Mitchell, the one candidate who did not attend yeah, that she's, forum this past She's week. got star power, and I think that Beth Henderson, ag experience, business experience, a lot of money, and I still say look for Mike Braun to endorse Henderson before the primary. Interesting. Keep in mind, we won the fifth district with Joe Donnelly, and we've got outstanding candidates that are running. Christina's done very well raising money. Dee Thornton did very well last time at putting together grassroots. And now you have Andy Jacobs Jr. running for that seat. So we're going to have a competitive primary on our side yeah. also. Laura, what else are you watching here ahead of 2020? Yeah, well, I, I think it'll be interesting. This is finally one of those times, even though we have a gubernatorial race along with our presidential, which is always this little soapbox issue of mine. Mm -hmm. We're on one of nine states that does that. I think we'd be better off if we elected a governor at a different time than the president because the conflation of federal and state issues. At least we don't have a Senate race, which I think is really nice <laughs> for Indiana, because that's taking away from right. the governor's races, which should be something to watch, even though it does seem the cruise control. 16, option. we had them all, right? We, yeah. we did. And then you, you don't spend as much time talking yeah. about each one of those. But I think nationally, if you look uh, for Democrats to hopefully hold on to the House for them, Republicans hopefully to hold on to the Senate, then we're going into census and then redistricting. And so everything that comes as a result from that, I think, will be interesting. I think that sounds like your next book, Make the Argument to Separate the Governor's Race from the Presidential <laughs> Race. There you so go. All right. We'll work on that for next time. Guys, thank you so much. Thank we appreciate you. it. We'll see you next week.